So <clears throat> most of us know what competition is, and some of us thrive on competition. That's what we live for. We crave for competition. Others of us, we're not very fond of it. We're not very competitive. We don't like to have competition. In fact, um, competition, though, if we didn't have, like right now, the World Cup's going on, and, and uh, Argentina was up 1-0 last time I looked. But um, So there's competition. If we didn't have competition, we wouldn't be able to, to have sporting events like that. We wouldn't be able to, to watch people play or to even play games, play against somebody else. That, that wouldn't happen. However, when it comes to competition within our jobs, maybe competition within our businesses, or competition like that, we, we don't really like it very much, I don't think. At least I don't. Like in the pharmacy world, for some of you that don't know, my other gig, my other hat that I wear sometimes during the week is I'm a pharmacist and I own a pharmacy. So when there's pharmacies that come to town, that open up in town, especially like if they're CVS or Oscar or Walgreens, I don't care. But if it's somebody that is like me that owns their own, well, I, 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 get, a little com- I get a little competitive. And sometimes I get a little kooky in the head, too. I get a little paranoid. I want to know what they're doing. Talking to my people? You, you talking to, like, what are you saying about me? You telling lies? Are you going to steal my customers? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to do in my business? I, like I said, I get a little, little kooky. Now, it happens in the church world, too. If a new church opens, what do we do? We start looking around. Like, I start going, okay, you know what? I, I don't, haven't seen you in church for a few days, a few weeks. What's going on? You going over to that other church? You two-timing me? What's happening here? What are you going? Are you, is, is he better looking than me? They have better coffee over there? Arnie, maybe they have donuts over there. Maybe they have a donut wall, D. <clears throat> but we, but we, we look at competition. And, and when we see that, we, we think we have to, to do something about it. And like I said, we get a little goofy in the head sometimes and we get paranoid. We don't want that competition. We want to keep everything to ourselves. And how are we going to deal with that competition? What are we going to do? You know, sometimes we, we, we want to eliminate that competition. But should we eliminate that competition? How should we look at this competition that we have? So today, who we're going to look at, because we've been looking at, at just people that when they find out what about this, this baby, about Jesus, when he, that he's going to be born. Today, we're going to look at, at some people of when, when they found out about the Messiah, about Jesus being born. Today, we're going to look at the Magi, or we might know them more, more as the wise men. But there's another person in this story, too, that had competition. We, we maybe don't think about him very much, but that's Herod, King Herod. So technically, I, I will say, like the wise men, actually, when they actually saw Jesus, they'd say he was probably like one or two years old. So he's maybe not a little tiny baby anymore. But let's look at Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. Starting in verse, in, in verse 1. It says, After Jesus was born... In Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. 
when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report it to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and prevented him, presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So we see some competition in this story, don't we? I heard some little talking over here because you know what the competition is. The first two verses were introducing who the competitors are. One, first we have the Messiah. We have Jesus. And then we have the current king. We have this, key, this king, this king Herod. Not one corner, we have Herod. Now Herod is named king by the Roman Empire. Which means he's king, but he's not the emperor. The emperor is who's in charge. The emperor is, is head over all of the Roman Empire. They have, actually, he considers himself a god. Now, the, the, this King Herod, he still has to answer to Rome. But this King Herod, he's ruthless. He's evil. He's a murderer. In fact, he's murders, he murders most of his family, most of his sons, because he doesn't want competition. Everyone in his family is viewed as competition. So what better way to eliminate the competition than to kill him? He does have one re redeeming quality. If we read about the temple and, and some of the magnificent buildings built around Jerusalem, this is due to this Herod. This is like the original. This is the OG of the Herods. He, he, he built, the, the, remodeled the temple to just this magnificent building. Now in the other corner, we've got this baby, this child. Baby that we've been looking at the last two weeks. Wasn't born to anybody special. Mary, Joseph, they're, they're kind of nobodies. Nobody town, small little town. But this baby was born to a virgin, right? It was born to a virgin Mary. And this baby, though, is the Son of God. This baby that was born to both Mary and Joseph, and like what we've been talking about, they had a choice. They had a choice to obey God. Mary could have said, nah, Gabriel thinks, but no thanks. Joseph could have said, yeah, no, I'm divorcing her. But he didn't. They obeyed God. And they're probably facing some judgment on their, on their own, facing some judgment from others, people saying things, rumors being said. 
something else we've been looking at is, is the description of this baby in Isaiah 9-6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. This is the Messiah that Israel, Israel's been waiting for. They've been waiting for this. And now the wise men have come to see this Messiah. They have come to see the King of the Jews. I'm going to make an assumption here. I'm going to make assumption that the wise men, they didn't know the reputation of Herod. And they didn't know who the parents of, of this baby was. They didn't know who the parents of Jesus were. Because I think if they knew more about this, they maybe wouldn't have come to Herod because they would have known how evil he is and how jealous he is. But also that they were wise men because usually in that day and system, like if you hear a king is born, like if a king is born in that day and age, that's usually born to the current king, right? Like the current king, the successor to be the next king was the son of the king. So they probably just were assuming that King Herod, that King Herod had a baby. And this was the baby that they're coming, this was going to be the next king. Because that's the way the system was. That's the way the system worked. So think about this scene. Just, just, just picture this. Let's go back in our time machine and look at this and say, okay, here's these wise men, they're coming they're, they, they're astrologers probably or magicians or just these people that are just kind of smart people. They got their charts probably with their stars. They've got some telescopes. They've got this entourage of maybe camels and who knows what else. They're carrying all this stuff. And they're coming to a king, a ruthless, a jealous, a murderous king. And they say, where's this son that's going to be king? Might have been a little bit of a tense moment with some with the jealous, maniac, murderous king. Text tells us that Herod was disturbed. I'm gonna I'm gonna make another assumption. I think that was probably light. I think he was a little bit more than disturbed. Are we any different? We show up to work tomorrow, and there's a new person there. There's a new hire there. Boss comes out. And you find out they're, good, they're doing the same job you're doing. And the boss is just saying, oh, this person is so wonderful. They are so great. They're just going to be such a great addition to this company. And they're so wonderful. And, they're just, and you're just like going, well, yeah, sure they are. Competition. Maybe you're single. And you have an ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend. And they show up with a new boyfriend, new girlfriend. They're so happy. They're just, it's just obnoxious. Like you just want to go to the bathroom and throw up because they're all googly over each other. It's just, it's gross. And what happens? You get a little jealous, right? Competition. You want to eliminate that competition. You want to be like Herod. Some murderous thoughts come through your heads. The competition at the pharmacy. That's what I'm saying. I got to respond differently sometimes. You want to eliminate the competition for good. But neither person, neither the wise men nor Herod knew who this king was. So what does Herod do? He asks the, he asks the chief priests. He asks the teachers of the law. 
They should know, right? So where do we turn to answers? The people of that day, they turned to the Bible. What they had is the Bible. What they have, what we know is the Old Testament. And the Old Testament in those days, it, it, they say it contains over 300 prophecies about Jesus. So the teachers and the priests, like they knew. They go, duh, that's Bethlehem, dude. Like, so then they say, quote Micah 2, they say, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Here's this town of Bethlehem again. It's about five miles south of Jerusalem. Kind of insignificant, but it is significant because there's some things through history that have happened. If you know your Bible, that's where Jacob buried Rachel. It's a place where Ruth met Boaz. And now it's a place that Micah is prophesying about this is where the Messiah will be born. So it's got some history. It's got some rich history to it. But back to the question, where do you find your answers? Do we ask our neighbor across the street? Does he know? I mean, maybe if I need to fix my car, or I got something like that, like they might have those answers. But what if we need those answers to give us counsel? to give us that peace that we read about in Isaiah, that that's what this king is going to be. Answers where we find mi- peace in the midst of our crisis, in our anxiety, maybe some trauma, maybe whatever's going on in our life. We find those answers by submitting our life to this Messiah. That Micah says, letting Jesus become our shepherd, our shepherd that leads us, shepherd that guides us, our shepherd that protects us, that we receive life. That he came, that shepherd, that baby came to give us his life. And when we give, us, give him his life, we receive forgiveness for our sins. And we find answers in the Bible too. Jesus gives life, but that book, that Bible contains the story of his life. And from that, we learn about him. We build a relationship with him. It gives us answers. If we choose to just read our Fox News or CNN News or Twitter, if that's our source of news, our source of information, our source of answers, it's pretty shallow compared to what the Bible contains. We read our Bibles. We discover the promises that God has given, that he's given us about this Messiah, what he's told us about it. This Messiah that Isaiah says is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So we know about this Messiah. So once we know about this King, are we willing to make the journey? Once you learn about Jesus, once you read your Bible and you you discover the words for yourself, you hear somebody tell you the message of Jesus. You realize who this child was. Are you going to make the journey? See, in verse 7, King Herod wasn't, he wasn't willing to make that journey. He calls the Magi in, calls the wise men, and he says, you know what, go to Bethlehem. And when you do, report back to me where this child was. So I can worship him. His intentions weren't to worship this child. His intentions were to murder this child. Now, the priests, the teachers of the law, 
they heard this. I'm sure they heard what, why the wise men were there. I'm sure they, they knew they were following this star. And they knew they were asking where this newborn king was. They had to have known who this child was. They didn't make the journey either. People that knew the Bible the best. The people that were waiting for this Messiah. The people that, that, that the text says that these are God's chosen people. They didn't make the journey to see this baby Jesus. This Messiah that they knew. They didn't want to make this journey and begin this relationship with Jesus personally. How many of us know about Jesus, know about this baby, but we choose not to make that journey? We choose to not know Jesus personally. A few weeks ago, I talked about the risk. Risk being worth it. The risk of leaving this old life behind, beginning this new relationship with Jesus, beginning this new relationship with the true King, receiving life and it being worth it. Because we're not talking about any old King, are we? talking about the Son of God. Now listen to this. We aren't talking about a king that didn't become king, but a king that was born the king. Let me say that again. Jesus did not become king. Jesus was born the king. He's always been the king. In fact, we read, I've been reading Isaiah 9-6. Let me read verse 7 to you. It shows you that he's the king forever. Look at verse 7. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness for that time on and forever. So what are you going to choose? How are you going to respond to the king? I'm not talking about Elvis. How are you going to respond to the true king? This king, Jesus, who came to be a shepherd. Not a ruler. Not a ruler that set up some authoritarian government, which the people wanted. But Isaiah tells us he came to be a shepherd who laid down his life for us. Laid down his life for us sheep like a shepherd would. Shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep so this sheep will live. So are you going to decide to take that journey? Like the wise men chose to take that journey. Herod, he made the choice to stay. He actually plotted to eliminate this, this king. Because do we really think Herod was going to go down and worship? Is in the verses after this, when he realized the wise men tricked him, he was furious. That's what this says. He was furious. And he ordered all of his people to go down to Bethlehem and kill all of the babies two years and younger and the vicinity just to make sure he got this king, that he killed this king. Because Herod chose to not make the journey and not know this king personally. However, a lot of us have made this choice, haven't we? We've made this choice and we've started this journey. That we're on this journey to get to know this king personally. We discovered who the true king was. 
and we have a relationship with him. He made the decision to start the journey. Have a relationship with Jesus. Making the choice, recognizing who the true king is. Many of you see probably a bunch of fill-in-the-blanks there. You kind of went, okay, when's this guy going to get to the the fill-in-the-blanks? Because I need to get my fill-in-the-blanks. We're going to get to the the fill-in-the-blanks. I'm told you guys love love yourselves some fill-in-the-blanks, so I got some this week. First thing I think the wise men did, the wise men observed. Wise men observed. They observed. They saw the stars. They studied the stars. They saw the signs. They knew that's not normal. That star, that's not, that's not, yeah, that's something, what's going on with that? So they prepared for the journey. They, they sought the meaning of what is that? What does that mean? They asked the people around them. They saw the glory of God just in nature. They wanted to find answers. The answer of this Messiah being born that was the king, the king of the Jews, they sought out Jesus to worship him. Are we observant to the glory of God around us? Do we see God in everything? Do we see it in nature? Do we see it in each other? The beauty of nature. Now, I don't like the snow. I don't like the cold. Like, I would love it if we could somehow just be snowbirds of this church and move to Arizona for the winter and come back in the summer. I would love, if you can figure that out, let me know because we will do that. But even though the snow and the cold displays God's nature, displays this masterpiece of God, and it's breathtaking. So this slide that we're going to put up, that doesn't look warm. (laughs) But it's beautiful. The awesomeness of God. The breathtaking, the, the... glory of God. It's in nature. The wise men saw that. They saw that and they go, wow. They observed that. So this Christmas, instead of maybe being like me and whining about the snow and cold, I think Art said it's going to be minus 25 sometime this week. Yeah, so thanks Art. Thanks for ruining their day. (laughs) But let's observe the awesomeness of God. Choose to see God. Choose to seek out Jesus, just like the wise men did. Something else the wise men did. The wise men bowed down. They humbled themselves. These are, these are probably powerful guys, rich guys. This is a little baby, a little one- or two-year-old baby. They came and they bowed down before the ch- this child. They acknowledge the authority of this child. Remember what I said? Jesus did not become king. He was born the king. Do we have that same humility? That same reverence? Do we acknowledge that Jesus is the king of our lives? Are we more like Herod? And we want to be king. We see ourselves as king. We don't want to turn that authority over to him. We don't want to turn that authority over to the true king. We don't want to turn that authority over to Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God. Something else the wise men did. The wise men gave. 
We see that. The wise men gave gifts. Gifts for a king. These weren't cheap gifts. The greatest gift we can give is ourselves. We put our faith in Jesus. We put our faith in this king, the son of God. Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Listen to the, just listen to these words. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Herod, he didn't want to give up anything. He wanted to keep it all himself. The wise men, they gave sacrificially. As I said, these gifts, these were expensive gifts. Gifts that you give to a king. We don't know what happened to these men after that day. This is one of the, kind of one of those one-of stories. We don't know. Did they give their lives to the king? Did they give their allegiance to this true king? We're not going to know this side of heaven. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. We, on the other hand, we have a choice right now. We can know. Are you going to give your life to this king? to the Messiah, to Jesus? Are you going to begin this relationship with Jesus? Something else the wise men did is they worshipped. Not only did they bow down, not only did they give, we are told that once they saw Jesus, they worshipped. Because they recognized who Jesus was. They recognized this king, the righteous king. They recognized King Jesus. This is a pretty busy time of the year, isn't it? There's a lot of stuff going on. But this busyness that's going on in our lives right now, this busy time, can we just pause? Just worship Jesus? Can we recognize that, that just Christmas season isn't the only time that it's about Jesus? That the entire year is about Jesus? And can we pause and can we just bow down and give and worship the king? The wise men obeyed. It says the wise men were warned in a dream. Again, the scripture doesn't say this, but wouldn't it make sense that they were warned by this angel named Gabriel? Because Gabriel so far has been all over this story. But it says the wise men were warned to not go back to Herod, to take an alternate route. It's probably longer, probably harder. And that still happens now, doesn't it? We still hear that. We are still warned about things. God still speaks to us. The question is, do we listen? Do we obey? Now, this, this is, the funny thing is, is God made us to just have this built into us. Now, God gave us guts, right? And these guts, they didn't, they, when we're young, they kind of grow this way. But when we're older, they grow this way. <laughs> he didn't give us these guts just to start growing in the wrong direction. But all of us, I think, have experienced this. 
that we don't always have to have this angelic being come to us to appear to us and warn us about something. There's a bunch of scientific reasons of why. I know there's some doctors in here and some medical people in here. You can, I could give you the mic and you could give up here and give this some explanation. We all be going, yeah, that's nice, but I don't know a clue what you're saying. But when there's danger, when there's something we should avoid or something, maybe even something we should do or something we should obey, where do we feel it? Feel it in our gut. Why? Because God made us that way. So that we would he would be able to speak to us and he'd be able to warn us, that's danger. You shouldn't do that. That's not what I have planned for you. And that's one of the ways God can still speak to us. We receive those warnings and then I have a choice. We have a choice. Do I obey or do I not obey? Now, I'm not saying every time you get this feeling in your gut that it's bad, that it's a warning. Sometimes it's just bad food that you ate last night. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's reassuring that, you know what, you're doing what I want you to do. And you got to obey. Just make that decision and obey. But getting up here on Sundays, like I get butterflies. You guys know what butterflies are? Like that's a good, that's a good thing. The butterflies are a good thing. But either way, I get to choose to obey or not obey. And then if I choose not to obey, well, that feeling in my gut, it changes, right? Changes to something that I don't like. Then it's uncomfortable. But if I obey, that feeling's still there, but it's, it's more of a sense of calmness, a sense of peace. So maybe can we learn to obey? Follow these prompts that we get from God. Sometimes it means taking a different route. Might be longer. Might be harder. And I would imagine that this route the wise men took, it was longer and it was harder. And they may have even halfway through this journey, they may have said, you know what, let's turn back. Let's go the other way. But they knew that the path they were on was the path they should be on. Because this was God's path. That it was best for me. But we got to choose that path. The path of choosing God. The path that God has for us. Now the wise men, they could even just sat at home and just watched the star through their telescope. They could have sent someone else like Herod did to go find this king. But they didn't. They took the journey. They recognized these words. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. Not just any son, remember. Son that would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A son that's the Messiah, a son that is the Son of God, Jesus. So this Christmas, can we take the journey? For some of us, it might be you're hearing these words and you just need to begin that journey. You need to recognize who the King is. Others, you might have recognized, but you kind of gotten off that path and kind of gotten off that journey. For others, it, it might be you need to get back on the journey. Others, maybe you've been on the journey and you've stayed on the journey. Maybe it's just a time to just recommit to, I'm going to stay on this journey. This journey that's ahead of us. So are we going to choose to follow it?
Lord, I just pray for everybody in this room. I don't know. I don't know where they're at in this journey. But I just put it right now to speak to speak to everybody in this room. Or maybe some need to begin the journey. Maybe need some come back to the journey. Maybe some just need that fire inside of them, inside their gut to just say, I'm on this, I'm I'm on this. I'm gonna stay on this journey. Or I just I just pray for that. I just pray for this Christmas season that we pause long enough to hear your voice. Maybe we'll have an angel come to us and speak to us. Maybe it'll just be something in our gut. Maybe it'll just be a little whisper. Lord, but I just pray that we, we begin that journey, Lord, and we start to have that relationship with you. That we recognize that you are the king. You are the king. You are a king that came as a shepherd. You are a king that came as a shepherd to give us life. You came as a shepherd that gave his life for us so that we will have life. You are a shepherd that protects those sheep. So right now, I just want to pray that and give, some, give those a chance that need, want to start this journey. Those that maybe have, 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 are hearing these words the first time and they're saying, or maybe even the 10th time or whatever, but they, today, they're seeing who the king is. They're seeing that I need to give my life to, to get life. And they want to begin that journey with you. They want to begin that relationship. They want to begin that journey and get to know you personally. They want to be called a son and daughter. If that's you, if you just want to look up at me and maybe raise your hand and, and say, say yes, I see you. Say yes to Jesus. Say yes, I'm, I'm beginning that journey. I see you. Beginning that journey. Lord, I just, there is, that angel Gabriel right now is celebrating in heaven. Along with all the other angels, along with everybody else in heaven, Lord. Celebrating that these lost sheep came home. That they are now sons sons and daughters. Lord, that they have now begun this journey with you. Lord, so I just pray for the Spirit to just come upon them, Lord. Fill them. Give them the strength. Give them the wisdom. Give them the guidance, Lord. This is the helper that comes to us to we can begin this journey. In your name we pray. Amen.